0: Tonight. Well, if you'll open your Bible tonight to page number 1254 or the book of Ephesians, chapter number 5, I want to read just a verse or two here in a moment, and then I'll ask you, if you will, to leave your Bibles open with me. And let me try, if I may, to offer up offer up an explanation of this text tonight. And then I pray that somehow or another we can tie it together with what I said last Sunday night a little bit that may challenge us uh, in these last days to do our best to live for God and be a fruit. A fruitful child of God. All right? Ephesians chapter 5. Don't forget Wednesday night at 7. I sure hope you'll be here for the service. Hopefully, all this mess will be over with by then. I got to looking on my phone today, and crazy next Sunday's I already got a snowflake on it. And y'all pray about that. Man, if it's going to come a blizzard, let it come on Saturday and not Saturday night and Sunday morning because it sure is hard to make a decision about services sometime. But I got to thinking, and don't be mad at me. I'm not fussing at anybody, but I, got, I promise you that some of those people didn't come to church today. Six o'clock in the morning, they'll be out there turning on that old Ford trying to get it to fire up because they got to go to work in the morning. And they'll do that, but they won't come to church like this. And I'm not mad about it. I'm just saying that's just the way it is. So why not have service? Why not have service? (laughs) Okay, forget it then. Why do we have service? But uh, anyway, I mean, that's just going to be the case. So, uh, uh, and I appreciate it. I always want you to use discretion, uh, whether you come to church or not. If you don't feel safe, don't come, whatever. I get all that. But uh, man, I think we ought to just do our best for the Lord while we can. Amen. All right, let's read tonight one verse. And I want to read Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18. But leave your Bible open for just a moment. We're going to go back and look at this verse in a moment. The Bible said this, and, and, be not drunk with Wine, wherein is excess, but be filled with the Spirit. And if you'll notice, the word Spirit is a capital S. Be filled with the Holy. Spirit. And I want to talk about that tonight for just a moment. Let's pray. Father, bless your word, I pray, and speak to us. Help us. Lord, challenge us tonight here in this service, and God, help us all to every day of our life to seek the fullness, seek the filling of the Holy Spirit, so that we might be able to bring forth fruit for the glory of God and be a fruitful child of God. Help us tonight, and may the Spirit of God use this text to help us tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. If you were with us last Sunday evening, then you may recall that I started a new series of sermons that I'm actually calling The Fruitful fruitful living. And if you'll notice the word full is fruitful. I want us to be fruitful and to be full of fruit as we live out these last days. Now my ultimate goal is to get over to Galatians chapter 5 and talk about the fruit of the Spirit. By the way, it's not fruits plural, but it's fruit singular, the fruit of the Spirit. And if you'll get over in that chapter and look at it, you'll find out there's one fruit, but it has nine different flavors to it. How would you like to have a, a fruit that you could bite into and get nine different flavors out of it. Well, that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life. And we're ultimately going to get to that list of the fruit of the Spirit. But last week, I talked a little bit about how each of us have a dual nature within us. When we were born into this world, each and every one of us was born with a sinful nature. That's why we have a tendency to want to do wrong. That's why we have a tendency, a a leaning in the wrong direction. That's why it's easier for us to do wrong than it is for us to do right. We have a sinful nature. You know, there's a prayer back in the Old Testament, a prayer, they call it the prayer of Jabez. But, uh, you know, it says something to this effect, oh, that thou wouldest bless me indeed. You know that part? And then he said, and that thou wouldest enlarge my coast, that your hand might be with me. But then it says this, and that thou wouldest keep me from the evil, that it may not grieve me. Now, I used to think for years when I read that verse along those lines, I thought about how that evil was trying to get to Jabez, so he's praying, like kind of huddled up with sweat dripping off his brow. Oh, God, don't let that evil get to me. But I think if reading it properly, what Jabez is praying, God, don't let me get to be evil. Can I have an amen? I think what he's praying is God... I want to do evil. I want that. I have a leaning in that direction. That's, uh, that's my desire of the flesh is to get to evil. But, oh, God, hold me back. Don't let me get to that. And, you know, truth be told, all of us every day of our life ought to pray, God, hold me back. God, keep me from the evil. We have a, a sinful nature. Sometimes it's referred to as the Adamic nature, a reference to our great-grandpa, Adam. But most of the time we call it the flesh. Now, again, in the Bible, where the word flesh is used, sometimes it is used in regards to our skin and bones. But most of the time, especially in the New Testament, when we read the word flesh, it's talking about our sinful, our sinful nature. Jesus said this in John chapter 6, the first verse uh, John chapter 3, verse 6, first part of that verse, Jesus said, That which is born of the flesh is flesh. If you want to write down out beside of that, first birth. When we were born into the world, we were born with a sinful nature. You ever notice this? You don't, have to teach a, you don't have to teach a little baby how to lie. You have to teach them how not to lie. You don't have to teach a little baby how to be selfish. You have to teach them how not to be selfish. You don't have to teach a little baby how to be ungrateful. you got to teach them how to say, thank you. I mean, let's just face it. That, that nature is born within every one of us. We all have a propensity, a tendency to do wrong. Can I have an amen? But thank God when we got born again, that verse, John chapter 3 verse, verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, but thank God the rest of that verse says this, and that which is born of the Spirit, capital S, is Spirit. Right down beside of that, new birth. Boy, when we got saved, God gave us the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came to live on the inside of us. Or let me say it like this: Look up on the screens. Here's a good way to say it. When you gave you to Jesus, God gave you the Holy Spirit. Can I say that one more time? When you gave you to Jesus, whether that was in a church, there at your home by a coffee table, uh, in, in in a Sunday school class, on a bus route, whenever it was, when you said yes to Jesus, when you gave yourself to Jesus, God in turn gave you the Holy Spirit. And can I say something that's going to blow your mind, but i got to back it up with Scripture. It's going to blow your mind. But can I tell you this? You and I are better off with the Holy Spirit than the disciples were with Jesus. Now, I know what you probably think. Oh, did he just say that? I mean, he's bordering on blasphemy. But no, I won't prove it. You and I, in this dispensation, with the Holy Spirit, are better off than the disciples were when they walked the sandy shores of Galilee with the Lord Jesus in person. Now, let me prove it to you. In John chapter 16 and verse 7, Jesus said this, Nevertheless, I tell you, it is expedient for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter, write down Holy Spirit, the Comforter, the divine Paraclete, the Greek word, Paraclete, the one called alongside to help, the Holy Spirit will not come unto you. But if I depart, I'll send him unto you. Notice that word expedient. Jesus said it is absolutely advantageous to you. It is absolutely better for you when I go away that the Holy Spirit come, because you'll be better off with the Holy Spirit with you than you were with me walking beside of you. Now let me prove that. Look up on the screens. Watch this. Jesus was beside the disciples. But ever since the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit has come inside the believer. Jesus walked beside those disciples. He was with them as they walked and ministered along. He was there, right there beside them. But the moment that you and I got saved, the person of the Holy Spirit came inside of us, and he will never, ever leave us. He'll always be inside of us. The Lord Jesus, because of the limitations of an earthly body, he couldn't be everywhere those disciples were. I mean, he had a body just like we have a body. Let's just face it, we can't be in two places at the same time. But when the Holy Spirit come on the inside of us, guess what? Jesus can now be with all of us at the same time, no matter where we're at, because the Holy Spirit lives on the inside of us. He dwells in us. Can I have an amen? Look at this verse, John 14 and verse 7. He, the Holy Spirit, dwelleth in you and shall be in you. Hey, I'm not waiting. Somebody ever comes to you and say, hey, if you receive the Holy Spirit, you you receive the Holy Spirit the very moment that you put your faith and trust in the Lord Jesus. And by the way, whereas Jesus had to leave those disciples, you know, Jesus had to go back to the Father's house because it was the Father's will and the Father's plan for the, uh, for the Lord Jesus, guess what? The Holy Spirit will never leave us. Praise the Lord. He will never. Look at this verse right here. The Bible said, I'll pray to the Father. He'll give you another comforter that He may abide with you how long? For, say it with me, ever. ever. You and I, once the Holy Spirit moves in, thank God, He'll never pick up His bags and walk out. He will be with us forever. Now I know what you're thinking right now. Come some of you have already rushed ahead of me in this message and you say preacher, but wait a minute. I got you covered. I know what David prayed in Psalms 51. After his great sin with Bathsheba, he said this, cast me not away from thy presence. And notice this, take not thy Holy Spirit from me. I get that. He prayed that. And I think he honestly meant that. But you've got to understand, the Holy Spirit had a different ministry in the Old Testament than he does in the New Testament. In the Old Testament, the Spirit of God would just come upon an individual. He would come upon an individual and that individual would perform a specific task with a special anointing, and then the Holy Spirit would lift off that individual. Did you know that the one person in our Old Testament that is recorded more of than any other person in the Bible, the Spirit of God came upon him was Samson? The Spirit of God would come on Samson. He would do some great exploit. He'd catch 300 foxes and tie their tails together. He'd jerk up the city post and walk off with them. He would pick up a line and tear it in two like it was a piece of thread. I'm telling you, the Spirit of God would come on him, but then the Spirit of God would lift off of him. But bless your heart, I'm glad I can tell you that since the day of Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came in you, and when he comes upon you, he'll never lift off of you. He'll always be there forever and forever. And he's there for one reason, and one reason only. And that is he wants to glorify Jesus through our lives by producing fruit. God, I just say that's it? That's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. The reason the Holy Spirit is inside of us is so he can glorify Jesus through our life by producing fruit producing fruit in our lives. So this is the message. The only way we can produce fruit to produce fruit is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's our text tonight. Ephesians chapter 5 and verse number 18. But be not drunk with wine, where is in excess, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, if you want to do this, I, don't, I, I want to ask you to do this. Look back to verse 17. The Bible said this. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. You know, there's a whole lot about the will of God, the will of the Lord, that I don't know for you. I have people to come to me from time to time. Had somebody come to me not long ago and said, You think it's God's will for me to preach? You know something? I don't know that. I mean, that's up to the individual. There's some things, some specifics about the will of God for your individual life that may be different from my individual life. So don't ask me what the will of God is for your life. But I can tell you this. I do know this. It is God's will for every saved, born-again child of God to be filled with the Spirit. That's God's plan. That's God's will for your life. And that's God's will for my life. Now, this verse, verse number 18 that we're dealing with tonight, speaks of a filling of the Holy Spirit. Let me stop and spell that. He speaks of a filling, F-I-L-L-I-N-G. And he doesn't mention anything about a feeling, F-E-E-L-I-N-G, of the Holy Spirit. You know, a lot of people want a, a healing feeling, But not too many people are interested in a heavenly feeling. Moving right along, I can see this is really sinking in real good. You know, a lot of people want some kind of feeling, man. They want to feel like they've grabbed a hold of a 220, you know. And Man, they want to feel something. But I'll tell you what, bless your heart, the Holy Spirit didn't come into this world so you could feel something. He came into this world so he could fill you with his presence. By the way, I get it. You get filled with the Holy Spirit, you'll feel the Holy Spirit. I get all that. But I tell you what, we ought to be more interested in a feeling than we are a feeling. Amen. So let's look at this verse for just a moment. Ephesians 5, verse 18. I'm still working toward the fruit of the Spirit, but let's talk about what the Holy Spirit wants to do in our life. First of all, notice, if you will, in verse number 18, I want want you to see, number one, the command for this feeling, the command for this feeling. Now, I'm not into all this Greek stuff and, and so forth, but I will tell you what I've read about this verse. This verse is what they call in the imperative mood. And any time you read something in the Bible that is in the imperative mood, it's always in command form. So in other words, when Paul said, be not drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit, that is a command from God. Hey, this isn't just a suggestion. This isn't just a recommendation. This isn't just an option. Paul is not saying, I recommend you to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Paul is not saying, you know something I suggest... You get filled up. You know what he's doing? He is commanding us under the direct leadership of the Holy Spirit of God, divinely inspired. He is telling us, you must be filled with the Holy Ghost. If we're going to do anything for God in these days, it won't be us doing something for God, it'll be God doing something from us to glorify His Son Jesus. Let me ask you something tonight like, Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? You know, this verse talks about a personal feeling, a personal feeling. But be ye filled. With, with the spirit, but be filled with the holy spirit it 's god's plan. God wants us all to be personally filled with the Holy Spirit. Did you know something? Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit in Luke chapter four and verse number one, we read there in that text that Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter four verse number thirty one we, we we believe or we're told that the early believers were filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter four verse number eight we're told that preachers were filled with the Holy Spirit in Acts chapter six. Verse number 3, we were told that deacons were filled with the Holy Spirit. In Luke chapter number 1, we're told that whole families were filled with the Holy Spirit. And I just want to say in our day, every preacher, every teacher, every believer, every deacon, every bus worker, every nursery worker, every church member ought to be filled with the Holy Spirit. We're trying to do way too much in our human ability when we ought to be doing what we can do with a heavenly anointing. It's not human ability. When we, you and I, act in the arm of our flesh, in the energy of our flesh, we get fleshly results. But when we operate under the feeling of the Holy Spirit of God, guess what? We get what God can do through us. Now, I'm not talking about uh, the Holy Spirit, uh, you get more of the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you, you got all the Holy Spirit you'll ever get the moment you got saved by the grace of God. So filling, the filling of the Holy Spirit is not us getting more of the Holy Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit getting more of us. Hey, let me ask you something tonight. How much of the Holy Spirit, how much does the Holy Spirit have of your life? Do you have some rooms in your life that you've got the key to, but you won't surrender it to the Holy Spirit? You'll never be filled with the Spirit. Have you got some secret stuff going on in your life tonight? Maybe some stuff you're looking at on the phone or some stuff that's going on in your life that ought not be going on in your life and you just won't turn loose of it? Can I tell you something? You'll never be filled with the Holy Spirit. In fact, let me tell you just the opposite. What you're going to do is grieve the Holy Spirit and quench or stifle the presence of the Holy Spirit in your life. This verse teaches us about a personal feeling, but it also teaches us about a perpetual feeling. This verse says, but be filled. And so I understand that right. It, says, it reads like this, but keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, there's a lot of things the Holy Spirit did for us that are once and for all works. For instance... When you got saved, you were baptized by the Holy Ghost. That is a once and for all done deal. When you got saved, not only were you baptized by the Holy Ghost, you were sealed by the Holy Ghost. That is a once and for all done deal. Hey, when you got saved, you you received the earnest of the Holy Spirit, the down payment of the Holy Spirit. That is a once and for all deal. Listen, when you got saved, you you were regenerated by the power of the Holy Spirit. All of those things are once and for all permanent works. And may I just say this, every one of those things were included in the salvation package. Amen. When you got saved, guess what? Boom, you got baptized. I'm talking about baptized by the Holy Ghost. When you got saved, boom, you got sealed by the Holy Ghost. When you got saved, right then and there you received the earnest of the Holy Ghost. When you got saved, you were regenerated by the power. Every bit of that was included in the package of salvation that God handed to you. When you got saved, along with the gift of eternal life, along with the Holy Spirit, along with all of that forgiveness of sins, peace in your heart, God said, here you go. friend." It all came in the package of salvation. But the filling of the Holy Spirit is something entirely different. It's something that we got to seek every day of our life. Amen. I heard about this one old boy one time. He went to a revival meeting, and he was known not to be faithful to church. You know, he was kind of hit and miss on and off again. A lot of stuff like we see in our day. But he went to church that night. The preacher got to preaching, and, man, he got convicted, and he'd come to the altar. And he knelt at the altar, and another brother was kneeling right there beside of him. And this old boy was kind of in and out, up and down. He got to praying, oh, God, oh, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Oh, God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. And the next guy beside of him kneeling down knew who he was and how he was kind of in and out and all that stuff. And he heard him praying, fill me with the Holy Spirit. And he started praying, Lord, don't do it. He leaks. Hey, can I tell you something? We all leak. Can I have an amen? That's why every day of our life, every morning when we get up, the first thing we ought to do every morning is we ought to pray, Oh, dear God, fill me with the Holy Spirit. Oh, dear God, produce within me today the fruit of the Spirit in my life. Oh, Lord, help me today. I'm talking about the command of this verse. It is a command of God for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Number two, look at the contrast of this verse. Now, if you look at verse number 18, what he's contrasting here in this verse is a man who is under the influence of alcohol to a man that is under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Now, don't you get mad at me right there. Don't you say, there you go making another one of them statements again. God forgive you, preacher. No, sir. Did you know oftentimes in our Bible when people got filled with the Holy Spirit, they were thought by others to be drunk? I can prove it. On the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter number 2, when the Spirit of God came on the day of Pentecost, old Peter went down the, the street, man, and started preaching. 3,000 people got saved. And that crowd said, oh, man, this crowd is drunk. And the Bible said, these are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it's just the third hour of the day. It's just 9 o'clock in the morning. They're not drunk. You know what they were? They were filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, I'm going to tell you something. Don't be mad at me. And I don't mean to be irreverent here whatsoever. But I can tell you, there's some comparisons between an old boy that's under the influence of alcohol to an old boy that is under the influence of the Holy Spirit. Now, there's a negative and a positive in this verse. The negative is don't be drunk. And the best way not to get drunk, bless God, is not to take the first drink. In case you're wondering what kind of preacher you're listening to, I happen to be a preacher that is decisively And definitely against alcohol. I am amazed, and i got to hurry, and I know, but I am amazed in these last days how that in our independent, fundamental, premillennial Baptist churches anymore, they won't take a stand against alcohol anymore. It is amazing. There was a church across town not too long ago. This old boy came up to my son, and he said, said, uh, well does your daddy still preach like he used to preach? And Seth uh, said, said, well, far as I can tell, ain't much changed. And he said, uh, "He said, uh, Are, do you take a drink once in a while? Ask my boy this. He said, man, my daddy killed me if I took a drink. And he's right. First of all, the Lord would kill him, but I'd, I'd kill him next. If the Lord didn't do it, I'd finish him off. And he said, why? Don't y'all preach against that? Independent Baptist Church, 20 minutes from here, uh, no, he said, we kind of just leave that up to the individual. There's so much other stuff, you know, that's going on in our world today. And by the way, you can't really nail it down in the Bible. And so we just don't even say anything about that anymore. We just kind of leave that up to the individuals and, and their choice. Are you kidding me? Have we become so, so compromising and our stand that we can't even say that alcohol is wrong anymore? Hey, there's a negative. Be not drunk. I don't know one thing good that alcohol's ever done. Not one thing do I know good that it's ever done. I sure do know a lot of destruction. I sure do know a lot of families that have been destroyed. I sure do know a lot of divorces that have been brought about. I sure do know a lot of kids without a dad or a mom tonight because of the effects of alcohol. But I'll tell you what, bless your heart, you come over here. I'm going to tell you it's a sin against God to drink that devil's juice. It'll rot your guts out. Amen. Amen. Oh, oh, Abraham Lincoln said this, only a fool will put that into his mouth, that which destroyeth his brain. You ever thought about, I ain't preaching on this, but you ever thought about the word intoxicated? You say, oh man, they're just intoxicated. Tox, you know what the word toxic means? If if there's a bottle here and it's got a skull and a crossbones on it, toxic, that means it's poison. When we say somebody is intoxicated, you know what they're saying? They're full of poison. Only a fool will put that into his mouth. That'll destroy his brain. Best way I know to do it is man don't even drink it to start with. Can I have an amen? I read this not long ago. One out of every 12 people who take a drink will go on to become a drunk. One out of every 12. Suppose you went over to PTI airport in the morning and you got ready to get on the airplane. You pay, you got your ticket, rolled your bags. They put them on what all that stuff. You took your seat, and the guy said, "Thank you for flying the friendly skies." We just want to tell y'all before we depart that one out of every twelve seats in this airplane, when we get to thirty thousand feet, the floor is going to open up and the seats going to fall out. Would you stay on that airplane if one out of every twelve seats are going to fall out at thirty thousand feet in the air? Would you stay on that airplane? Answer me. Would you? St- I'm kidding. Would you stay all night? Of course you're not. I don't know about you, but I'm gonna get off. Call me a taxi. I wouldn't do that. So you mean to tell me you're gonna take a chance? on ruining your life and messing up your home and your family forever and ever and ever by taking that first drink? Oh, be not drunk with wine. Hey, don't drink the stuff. It's the devil's juice. He'll destroy your life. There's not one good thing that's ever been produced by alcohol. Not one good thing, and you're welcome. Have we got a bunch of drinkers in here tonight or something? Y'all better amen me right here. That's the negative. The positive is, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. You know, just like a man when he gets under the influence of alcohol, he's like changed into another person. Have you ever noticed that? Here is this old boy. He, he, he's he's very shy and very backward. First thing you know, he gets full of alcohol, and he's, man, he's wanting to fight everybody in the in the place. You know, here is this old boy. Normally, before when he's not drinking, he's very shy. You want him hardly speak to the opposite sex. Let him get full of alcohol. Man, he's calling every woman in there, baby. You let an old boy. Maybe he's very tight. Watches his money. Don't spend a whole lot. You let him get. You let him get drunk. While, hey, everybody come up here. I buy y'all a drink. He just starts giving. Hey, can I tell you something, bless your heart? When we get full of the Holy Spirit of God, can I tell you, there'll be some boldness that'll come about us. Amen. Hey, hey, we'll, we'll, our tongues will become loose, and we'll start wanting to talk about Jesus. And buddy, I'll tell you what, we'll start giving when we get full of the because the Spirit of God will change us into another person. You see, I don't believe it. Look at this verse. And the Spirit of the Lord, speaking about Saul, will come upon thee. And thou shalt prophesy with him. Now read the rest of it with me. And thou, and, and shalt be turned, read it with me, and shall be turned into another man. Boy, I'll tell you what. You say, preacher, I am so scared when it comes to witnessing. Get filled with the Holy Spirit of God. Preacher, I just got to tell you, I just struggle tithing. Get full of the Holy Spirit of God. Preacher, I just got to tell you, man, I just struggle with this or struggle with that. There's a fast track to victory. It's called the filling of the Holy Spirit of God. And I'm done. Watch this, and we got to go. The comparison, the command. But last of all, number three, there's the consequences. What happens to us when we get filled with the Spirit? Well, look in this chapter here. We're told what happens. First of all, look at verse 19. Number one, we'll sing with gladness. Look at verse 19. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Don't say anything on, in there about country music. I don't say one word in there about rock and roll. Come on. Speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and what kind of songs? I'm going to tell you something. That old garbage they play on the radio, that ain't spiritual songs. That don't build up your spiritual man. You're welcome. Don't look down. It ain't prayer time right now. The right kind of music builds up your spirit. It encourages your heart. Spirit, spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. You'll sing with gladness. Notice number two, you'll speak, with, you'll speak with gratitude. Look at verse 20. And giving thanks always for all things unto God and the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. And number three, you'll submit with grace, submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. You know, the only way we can produce fruit is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. All right, watch this. We're done. This is my woodcutting, wood-cutting glove. I brought it with me tonight. I not you to look at this. This is our life. This is our life right here. Here we are. Ain't much to us, is it? Ain't a whole lot there. That's us. That's who we are. Flimsy. Fallen moment's notice. Can't stand on our own. Weak. I mean, we're nothing. That's who we are. Right there. Blown about. Shh, blown about. Nothing to us. When the flesh... Controls our life. We get what the flesh can do. And the flesh wants to destroy our life. Remember that list I read last week? That long list of all that garbage, you know, adultery and murder and all that stuff? Buddy, when we get full of the flesh, I'm telling you, we're in a mess. But I'll tell you what, bless your heart. When the Holy Spirit of God moves in our life, All at once, that old flesh comes alive. And now, because there's power in that glove, that glove can be used effectively to bust wood and to haul it up steps. But bless your heart, when that glove's on its own, it can't do nothing. But let the hand of God get in it. My hand ain't the hand of God. But let the hand of God get in it. And the purpose for which that glove was created and made can now be fulfilled. Why? It's got God in it. And if you want, if you want to bear fruit in these last days and you want God to bless your life, we're going to have to get God in us. Get full Of the Holy Spirit. You say, Preacher, I wish I got this terrible sin going on in my life. I wish somehow I could get the victory over it. Come here, get filled with the Holy Spirit. Can I have an amen? You say, Preacher, I'm just so weak and anemic as a Christian. I'm just just, so beat down, I'm so defeated, so discouraged. Get filled. With the Holy Spirit, I tell you what—I don't think we got a problem in this church tonight that couldn't be taken care of if we just get filled with the Holy Spirit. We gotta go. Let's pray, Father. Bless your, Bless the word tonight.